Esports is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. And this is the podcast where we talk all things branding, marketing, sponsorship, and events. I'm Rebecca Langawa, founder of Happy Warrior, and I'm an esports brand builder and strategist. Join me as I discuss the world of marketing and esports with some of the top experts in the industry. Welcome to the future marketing in esports. Hello, and welcome to the future of marketing and esports. I'm your host, Rebecca Langawa, and today I have my good friend, Dylan Pomeroy, as my guest. And I'm really excited to talk to him. Dylan and I have known each other for about a year and a half. We met through both of our relationships with V1 and Rocker, pro esports teams here in Minnesota. And we also collaborate a lot on speaking about esports careers in the industry. And I'm really excited to have him on today. Dylan, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rebecca. Great to great to be on. I'm honored. I'm honored. I'm excited because we get um, we get to talk numerous times today because we're doing a clubhouse. Are you you're gonna do clubhouse today? Yeah, we're supposed to. Yeah, I'm headed to the office actually again here soon, but I'll be on for that. I think it's seven. six central, seven eastern. Trust you. I mean, wherever you can plug in. <laughs> it's been. I mean. Obviously, for my listeners who haven't heard me talk in a while, I took a little bit of a sabbatical. I've I've just started working with the GameHers over the past few months as a strategist, building out their collegiate strategy. Dylan is a graduate. His alma mater is Mankato State University. He's a maverick. And we've got an event coming up where we're both going to be speaking to, to young people about our careers in esports, Dylan's is probably a bit more relevant as he is a lot younger than me nah, and nah. <laughs> has a more traditional pathway into esports than my kind of wonky trajectory into this space. But Dylan works at V1 and Rocker in partnerships. So we actually get to talk to each other all the time. But what Dylan does is extremely unique and has a certain amount of expertise that helps me be effective. So I really want to just dive in today, Dylan, and, and talk at length about what is it that is compelling for brands that are getting into this space in terms of you know reaching that next generation of consumers? Because my podcast, I really want to talk to marketers, right? And you are really at the helm within the V1 and Rocker organization to prove out success. But before we get there, I really would love for you to share a bit about, you know, your, your story and what you went to school for and how, how you were able to get into, into this within esports. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I wish, actually, I, I am a Eau Claire, University of Wisconsin Eau Claire grad, but oh, uh, I wasn't lucky I thought enough you went to go. There. No, I think it's just because of my connections there. It does feel like I did because uh, all the time I spend there and, and even what we do now. But that's kind of leads into, honestly, your first your first question there, even with what got me here and sort of the background to Mankato and to, I mean, even at Eau Claire, we started an esports club and across even the region of different esports clubs and organizations I've seen 
seen popping up from St. Thomas, University of Minnesota, Bethel down there as well. So when I went to Eau Claire, I got into marketing first and foremost. I always knew I wanted to be in business. Um, but to be honest, at the time, esports wasn't even on my radar. We were all gamers. I think, you know, my college buddies and I, everybody seems to be at this age, whether or not it's, you know, board games or, or whatever it might be in between if it's video games and so on. So when I got out of school, I got into sales right away, but I, I really wanted to start my own business. That was a lot of what I studied in college. It was marketing and entrepreneurship, professional sales, things like that. And when I got out, it, it just sort of clicked for me to start working on social media specifically for tech startups. I worked a lot with like healthcare, different startup regions. So I got to test all sorts of things out when it came to the industries I wanted to be in. And so wait a hold on. So when you left school, did you go, did you just jump straight into just starting your own consultancy business? And uh, not quite. I worked in sales for like okay. a year and that was it. Honestly, I, I, I won't go to, uh, there's a deeper rabbit hole where <laughs> I got hurt. I broke my back. Actually, I was bedridden for a while. And that was kind of when it clicked that, okay, I'm not liking what I'm doing. I want to start my own business. Why not just like do it now. Um, and so from there is when I started traveling around, I, I lived in my car a little bit, but started a business and I was marketing consulting from there, which is what connected me with all sorts of different industries. I worked with breweries. I worked at wineries. I worked in the cannabis industry for a bit doing startups, startup help. And it sort of led me eventually to this all encompassing world. We now consider esports and gaming. So to your point, it was a little bit of a journey, but we're, we're here now. And, and that's kind of what, when I talk about all these things in my past, it all leads to partnerships and marketing mm -hmm. in a way that I really wanted to bring, you know, some of my past to the table. Like you, I think we always consider ourselves marketers. This is everything though. I mean, partnerships, yeah. it's just the new title, but everything I've always done has felt like it's had a marketing angle to it. And I think that's kind of why you and I connected specifically, but kind of why it works with what we do at version one and with Rocker right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I second that. I think, you know, what makes a strong partnerships team is individuals who understand that marketer mindset and it almost transcends to be way more successful than someone who has a lot of experience in just it sales, pure sales, right? Because in order to bring authenticity, you need to really understand what the goals and objectives are of the partner that you're working with and be able to speak their language. And, and I always like to say like, the job that we have is to make our client, the person that we're talking to, the hero, like for their organization. Like, how do we educate them in a way that they can then go back and explain it where we're helping them become the subject matter expert? And then it, and then in turn, they're the hero of their organization because they're able to reach an entirely, you know, new audience or, you know, be able to bring in revenue that was never identified before, which I think is pretty cool. I think it's really impressive to me that you were able to pivot into entrepreneurship like so quickly, especially with the variety of the client types that you had because for for myself personally what 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 really was able I don't even know like how to talk today, but for me to be able to articulate things across different types of industries 
all stemmed from working in an advertising agency that serviced a, a wide variety of clients. And being able to juggle multiple projects was something that I learned and crashed and burned and learned and crashed and burned when I was quite young. And for you to like do that almost right out of college is impressive. So there's me just like, well, you know, I appreciate that. Honestly, I think up, it's, well, it's a lot. And I, I think we won't go back and forth pumping each other's tires, but I think that's part of why <laughs> specifically within this industry, it works. I'll be honest. Like when I was doing, the, the things I was doing right outside of college where after my sales job, after, you know, and I'm in my car and I'm honestly just going door to door, except state to state, driving around, finding businesses I wanted to work with. It sort of was just my personality coming through in a professional sense. And that's why it really works in my opinion in esports so well. And in gaming is that I can marry these ideas that may seem a little far-fetched if it's healthcare where it's a little more bland, or if it's uh, you know, tech startup where they have plans kind of already written. Like within yeah. gaming, it's so free-flowing right now that I mean, today we just launched a freaking beer, man. I mean, we launched a rocker beer today through a partnership with Waconia Brewing. And it was it's something that no matter what, that's probably my favorite part about this industry is that. I, I get crap around the office all the time because I'm always giving tours. Like literally, if someone DMs me and say they want to check it out, I'll pretty much do it barring like I have a meeting or it's dangerous. And there's anybody I talk to, I always, my head is always spinning of ways we can work together, whether right. it's another digital marketer, whether it's a beer, whether it's, you know, any sort of item, if it's a fishing line, like we can probably make something work. So yeah. I think I really try to translate that into obviously what you and I do in day to day, but really what we do within partnerships and gaming. And it's really understanding the long game, which not a lot of people understand. So it's not like you're bringing somebody in and giving them a tour and thinking there's something with immediacy all of the time. Sometimes it's just building a relationship and waiting for the moment or knowing that they have a deeper understanding of what your org has to offer. And they might just, you know, tell a friend at a happy hour and that person reaches out. I mean, I'm finding so much success with that organic reach and long-term relationship building. I, I, I talked with a really young girl today who's, you know, out of college and is looking for her full-time job and asking me a lot of questions about business and looking for a job and interviewing and asking for advice. And one of the things that I told her was, you know, when I was that young, when I was in my twenties, I'm not going to build relationships with my peers and think that I'm going to get something back immediately. But now, especially like when I worked at the Timberwolves, like as a consultant and then in-house. So I was in-house there in like 2011. A lot of the people that worked in kind of mid-level jobs are now executives at some, at like some of the biggest companies throughout, throughout the United States, right? Because they've grown into that. They grew into that over the past, you know, 10 to 15 years. And being in partnerships is, for me, it's really about building rapport and building relationships. And what I find really interesting about what you've been able to do versus what my big skill set is and why I think we work so well together when it comes to partnerships at V1 and Rocker is where I really excel is in having conversations with those non-endemic brands and getting them to understand the esports ecosystem as a whole, the the you know the the consumer profiles 
which vary within that ecosystem and then where they can really come into play. But you take it to a level and to a layer that I can't really touch because you've been a gamer your whole life and you are still embedded in that culture and community of esports kind of day in and day out. Um, I'd really love for you to speak to all of the layers in which you're engaging, because I know you're doing a myriad of things with like hosting and it's really rare to see um, individuals in, in a partnerships role, honestly, also being, I mean, I mean, I would consider you talent on our team in terms of the, the visibility that you have. So I'd really love for you to share like in depth, like every layer that you're working on within the org. Yeah, yeah, of course. I again, I think that's kind of the personality shining through. Where <laughs> maybe it's stubborn, maybe it's just a little initiative and some persistence included. But yeah, I, I do hop on where I can. You know, for my journey specifically at V1 and Rocker, I was brought on to Rocker initially as just a guy to help sell tickets. To be honest, I was brought on January one of 2020, and basically we were gearing up for our launch weekend. So I was there to like keep everybody organized as we were selling tickets for the armory. From there, I was brought in officially as marketing coordinator. Actually, excuse me. I was brought in as a marketing consultant and then brought in as uh, a coordinator officially, and then have since moved over to the partnership side. So when I, when I look at things within an industry I care about, as well as when I had my own business and, you know, was working agency lifestyle, I really tried to do the things that I cared about really well, I thought that I think that's a really good cheat code, honestly, for anyone out there. If if there are ways that you think you're solid, like maybe you're really good on Twitter or you are a great streamer, um, parlay that into a professional lifestyle in whatever ways you kind of see fit. And for me, it was Discord initially. I really angled myself within Discord as someone who learned the ins and outs of it. I really built up our Rocker and V1 channels because we weren't doing much on there. And I thought it was an important channel for us to utilize. So that was one of my first forays into like, ah, got it. Gaming partnerships, marketing, like we can use this as a really efficient social channel that we started to do watch parties on. We, we have giveaways, we have discount codes. Like our discord is one of my favorite little you know, pieces of what we do that I, I get pretty proud of. But then from there, yeah, hopping on broadcast. I do enjoy discussions or podcasts or broadcasts if I'm on, you know, if we're doing Rocket League or Valorant or something or Rocker with Call of Duty. And I, I think the reason I enjoy those so much is that it's the the coolest part about esports to me. You know, you don't see maybe what you do, and I just am not in tune to it, but you don't see a lot of like traditional sports teams really highlighting their staff as people that are not only understanding of what the industry is and what the quote game is like for us, it's not football or soccer, it's different titles. Uh, But utilizing those people is really efficient way of building up a bit of a brand, making people care. And and honestly, just having a community that is really bought in. So I think that's something that we've excelled at and really pushed for initiative wise, initiative wise, when it comes to version one rocker. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of like hosting slash casting at times. You have a lot of game day role, roles and responsibilities that kind of bleed in and out. And then I would say for me, like you're, you're my go-to guy in two areas. Number one, (laughs) if I want to run an idea by 
somebody to see like, is this really going to resonate with the community? You're my go-to guy because you live it every day and I have access to you. You know, We sort of vet ideas out back and forth. I would say that's, (laughs) that's very fair. Our Slack channel is usually, uh, is this cool or not? Can we work with this? So I definitely get that. That's important. And then, you know, secondly, when it comes to leading discussions with the endemic brands, you know, I mean, I have conversations with endemic brands that have reached out to me directly to talk about, you know, esports as a whole or in our team. And they're always asking me these very targeted questions about like what happened like the night before. And I was like, I was asleep, right? Like I better get up every morning and check Twitter to see where things were at because the endemic partners are plugged in and they pay attention at such a granular level. And you're living that. And I'm kind of living in this like other world, right? Where, and it reminds me of my time when I worked at the Timberwolves, where I would sometimes get home and have to think like, wait, did we win that game? Like, what was the sentiment of the players walking to the locker room? Were they happy? Were they sad? Because I was so focused on the content itself, like on the, the photography that was being, that was coming through and that we were selecting to send to the NBA. I was so hyper-focused on like this one thing (laughs) that I wasn't necessarily paying attention to the product on the court, you know, and that's kind of how it is with this team. And and that's what makes you, I think, kind of this really cool double-edged sword where you really understand and you're plugged in because you live it and breathe it, what's going on kind of moment to moment, day by day with all three of our teams and what's going on with our, our streamers. But then you also have this really strong business acumen where you can articulate it, especially with the endemic brands where you're kind of like our, our little unicorn there. But I would love to talk a little bit about what, you know, the things that are really tangible that brands are looking for is the biggest pushback. I think that I get industry-wide is because brands don't necessarily understand, but the non-endemic brands don't necessarily understand the whole Discord, Twitch. It just seems so foreign to them that they cannot wrap their minds around how to prove effectiveness of brand campaigns of the brand integration that they're building with a partnership with teams like V1 and Rocker. So you're kind of the go-to on, on the data analytics at the moment for the entire organization. Can you talk a little bit about how you are wrapping your head around that data statistics and where you're kind of pulling information from? I know you're using a variety of sources. Yeah, that's a really good question, honestly. Like, I think that's one of the hardest parts to your point about a partnerships conversation or a collaboration or a pitch is just figuring out how that all works. We use several different platforms. I think I can, I'll mention them, but Blinkfire for our actual data analytics within socials and partnership tracking, as well as Zoom, which helps with actual streams. So identifying partner assets on like streams, live streams, Twitch channels, YouTube, et cetera. And then advocate, which is a partner for streaming that helps us keep track of what assets go on streams. So those three are just kind of the ones that I spend the most time in. And to your point, they all really work cohesively to this end point of, okay, what the heck does that mean for our client? And Mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, like what you were saying of going down that rabbit hole is when we have an introductory call, as you know, it's almost right away that we can tell either this client 
or this pitch or this prospect understands esports or they don't. And that's kind of what you're talking about when we talk about endemics or non-endemics. And I will definitely alter how I speak depending on what type of individual we're talking to. You know, one of the first things I realized was, I think it was the Super Bowl. It might've been a playoff game, but when I scrolled my Twitter and I was getting like all Call of Duty updates and not a Super Bowl update, it was like the craziest thing to me where I'm like, I am not that high school sports kid anymore. I'm, I'm someone in, mm-hmm. injected into this industry. Yeah. And I think that's what I try to get across to partners, right? Is that like, there is a large audience here, not just a niche audience anymore. It's very large, whether it's, it's, I don't think broad's even the right word because it's pretty hyper-focused and they're very intelligent, skeptical, loyal consumers that I, that's what I really try to to, to mention to clients is, you know, looking at these things like Twitch again, you know, maybe they understand, maybe they don't, but, you know, having Twitch, having discord, having YouTube, Reddit, even as these fringe areas, not only to activate on, but to engage the next generation. I talk about this a lot too, but colleges and high schools, right? Like where are the next consumers coming from, especially ones that will have money in the next five, 10 years as they grow in their careers. And that's a really big, important area that I think factors in a lot when I'm talking, you know, to prospects or as you talk to prospects as well. Yeah. And I think that's important to highlight. I mean, two things come to mind with what you just said. Number one, I have some friends that will, that you, that aren't gamers that aren't really in the industry at all. They're very fringy fringe, but when content comes across their either social or even on, you know, CNN or BBC or whatever, and there's an article that's gaming related, they usually send it to me. Oh, is it? Yeah, I've seen that. But thank you. Phase, phase Sports Illustrated it. was it, the big one, right? like, <laughs> I know. I'm like, you know, it, it, it captures their attention because they know who I am. But it's interesting, you know, like my friend um, Beth is, she is a PR agent and she works with like a lot of celebrity chefs and really high-end restaurants, right? She sends me articles all the time about esports. Like it, it's, it is filtering into her ecosystem and she's paying attention obviously because of me and like shooting them over to me, which I do love mostly because I love that it's coming across. If it's coming across her feed, then it's coming across a really broad audience. So Mm -hmm. that really kind of ties into what you were saying about the, the reach and the mainstream kind of aspect of where the gaming and esports industry is going as well. And then also the other thing you were talking about is what were you talking about? Maybe college, high school, maybe. Yeah, college and high school is uh-huh. that next generation of consumer. I'm like, what were you saying? I got you. <laughs> the next generation of consumer in this space. And you're a testament of that because you are you are young and you're a professional and you're working, you know, a, a professional career. You don't have kids yet, but you're a dual income household, right? Yep. Which is very coveted for brands to be able to want to get in front of. Esports enthusiasts as a whole are more likely to be in STEM-based careers. We talk about it all the time, right? They're more likely to graduate. They are more likely to vote. They are definitely more creative than the average American. So this is all versus the average American. And they they usually end up in careers that are around the computing industry. Or the, you know, people talk all the time about it's not just about getting a career, making video games, designing video games, or working for a team. There are there's an entire suite of of opportunities as an employee that are 
on the trade side, soundstage and lighting expertise, that is a, a career that's going to have a complete turnover because the experts in that area, many of them are not going to come back after COVID because they've been working in the industry for over 40 years. They're older. And now we, we're definitely going to need to bring in that next generation of, of experts in soundstage lighting, right? And then we also have people who go to school with STEM. They're gamers. They're esports enthusiasts, but maybe they're going to get a job at, at 3M or at Best Buy in the corporate offices, in the computing area, you know, computer programmers, developers, engineers, the gamers are more likely to get those types of jobs. And those are really high paying careers. So when it comes to reaching that next generation of consumer, this is a really niche targeted approach for a brand to first create awareness and then wait for the moment in which that demographic is ready to start spending those dollars. How, what are you seeing from your chair as like some of the activation kind of points? Cause I'm on more on the sales side. You do some of the sales on the endemic partnerships for sure, but you're literally living the day-to-day on executing these. What are you seeing as being the types of content produced by the brand partners and it can be our org or any org from, from where you're sitting that you think are really resonating the most with that next generation of consumer. Like, what do you think they're like really into? For sure. Yeah. And if I'm understanding, you know, I think I am understanding your question correctly is like what specific maybe activations or partnerships am I seeing? Or do you mean like when these or overall, you know, like for example, I, and I've said it like, as a guest on other people's podcasts before, I don't know if I've talked about it on mine, but you know, if, if a company is coming in and they're asking this demographic to do things for them, like fill out something, fill out a form or gather data like that, they're not really into that. So it doesn't have to be anything like a specific partner, but if you have an example, that's cool. But like, what are you seeing that they're wanting to engage with? Like yeah. a, Dank memes, like we like I I learned that term, I think <laughs> from you or PC. <laughs> like what yeah, is yep, that yep. they actually are looking to to engage with? Mm-hmm. I think I think the biggest thing, honestly, is the overarching thing here is the way that they integrate. It, it's just becoming so seamless, almost you can't you can't even tell. And I think sometimes that's good. Again, I mentioned these, you know, this this these individuals being very skeptical, they can sniff through it. If there's a sense that it's like coming from someone who was there for the cash grab and not to be genuine, honestly, it'll get sniffed out and it'll probably get viral treatment a little bit when it comes to Twitter or whatever it might be. So when I, when I think of actually, there was a specific one that came to mind as you were talking that I saw um, from the Valorant challengers tour this weekend, it was the VCT. They partnered with credit karma and I don't honestly know what the specifics were, but the there was a, a moment in the game that was the good karma moment of the match. And mm-hmm. it was presented by Credit Karma. I thought that was kind of a cool way of making it nonchalant. And basically it was like if a teammate sacrificed themselves and a guy was able to get the bomb, whatever it was, you know, when it comes to right. the actual gaming. I thought it was cool. It was like a good karma moment and Credit right. Karma found a way to you know, insert their name there. So kind of that, 
that thing we're used to when you, you know, you mentioned Timberwolves stuff where we're at the game and you see on some on the board and it's a moment brought to you by blank. That's an easy way that we're used to that feels nonchalant, but I do like the way you mentioned it of, I think there's two bigger facets to it, which would be content, you know, big presented like pieces, two minutes to 15 minutes long. They can feel episode esque and, whether it's, you know, bigger brands, I see it with like the Chipotle's and the, you know, Best Buy's, the Target's, the Domino's, these, these brands that are doing a good job of feeling younger still and feeling like innovative. I see a lot from them and and the larger scale for us is anything that comes from content is, is a lot of what esports is built on. So again, it has to feel genuine. And I think that's where I get the most excited when we talk about what partners can integrate is, is really cool custom content pieces that, you know, for example, at our office, all the opportunities we have with custom content, it feels cool to be able to talk about that with, with partners when it, yeah. you know, when we look at the opportunities there. So I think that's one of the biggest things overall with partnerships, with, with marketing, with esports, and with the clients we're working with is it's just so holistic. There's so many ways that a client can integrate and it's going to feel genuine because you're working with creatives. You're not working with, maybe you're working with like us punk salespeople here and there. Right. But like, it's because we're coming from a place that is knowledgeable about the product or the service we want to get across and the pillars of how each business is built and how that can be portrayed when it comes to the big screen or comes to YouTube or comes to a stream, even whatever it might be in the middle. Do you want to know my favorite thing? My favorite brand activation was at the Timberwolves in arena. I'm going to guess. I can't think. I don't know. Maybe the t-shirt cannon. Are you t-shirt cannon gal? Is there? Uh, is that- it could have been. <laughs> and I will tell you if they put t-shirts that didn't feel like cardboard on your body in Triple those XL. cannon, yep. then I, I mean, people love like the activation of grabbing something, but where they miss the mark on that is no one's going to wear those t-shirts. And and I was always super bummed by that because if they would have been almost like the the practice jersey performance like really soft like athletic or even one step down cheaper just a really soft plush cotton t-shirt then that would have been something. Because <laughs> yes, everyone's standing up and you're getting good photos and people are like, "Yay, we're going to get a t-shirt and it has, you know, US Bank on it with the Timberwolves logo." That's the moment, but it's not going to live past that. The biggest thing that I think actually was super, super successful and like I'll never forget and both of my kids would probably say it was their favorite thing is the blimp. It was the U.S. Bank blimp. So U.S. Bank, if you're listening, I hope you are actually because we could translate this into an esports thing. That's what they really did right because they had that big blimp. First of all, you're just waiting for it to go. You're waiting for it to move. It moves in arena and then it drops, it drops hats that have gift cards attached to it. And they vary in dollar value. I think like five to 25. I don't know exactly. Don't quote me. Anybody who works at the Timberwolves on that activation. However, that to me is relevant for two reasons. First of all, you're getting a hat and it's adjustable and it's cool. And people will wear that hat out, but two attached to it is kind of like this mystery card. You know what you're going to get bringing that into like 2021 makes me think of a super successful social campaign that just happened with Venmo. 
where Venmo was giving away a total of like hundred K in these increments that were scalable. And some of them like $500 increments to people who were like taking their friends and following Venmo and it, it grew their social like astronomically. And it also increased like a ton of engagement. It also gave them the opportunity when people were winning, they were sharing it on social. And then Venmo was also sharing that on their behalf. They were resharing. So they're in, it's like you do the thing, it's getting engagement. The people are then engaging back because they're winning. And then you're re-engaging back again and you're sharing and you're giving them a broader audience. You're, you're growing. Like if you won $500 from Venmo and they retweeted you or they reshared you on Instagram, people are now engaging with your content because you're like one of the winners. And I think that's really exciting. And one of the areas in which I haven't seen a credit card company do this yet on the debit card side is create either game specific or team specific debit cards in the esports space. I mean, I have a US bank credit card that is Vikings branded, which is, I mean, I just, I love it unless I'm at a Packers bar during playoffs. <laughs> I don't love it then. It's a little, it's a little touchy, but you know, I think there's room to do giveaways within like that banking category within our space, because this is the age demographic where people are making long-term banking choices. I think people like really young people for some reason out of college and like elderly people are going to like TCF bank, at least in our market. But then it's like, what bank are you going to choose when you're like a mature consumer? I feel like, sorry, TCF. Like, I feel like it's not necessarily you for, for some reason. I don't know what it is, but just like following trends, it's kind of like the battle here between the Wells Fargo and the US bank. And I'd love to see somebody rise to the top and really lean into the gaming industry because I think it'd be super successful based on the research that I've done and the demographics that we have. And there could be some really cool things with, you know, like the little giveaways, the gift card giveaways, the integration of branding. To me, that's like on my wish list of what would be a really great type of a partnership based on being in a traditional sports team. And I feel like the reach is like quadruple what it would be when it comes to the sentiment and and fandom of of a pro team, a pro traditional team versus like the scalability and reach of an esports team. But maybe I'm wrong. What are your thoughts on that? No, I like like that take a lot. I think 100 Thieves has done something similar to that. They worked with obviously with Cash App in their compound and they do have some sort of card. I can't speak to what it is. It might just be a debit card or like you said, a theme type card, but I I completely agree. And honestly, back to like our kind of our initial talks is one of my biggest goals, literally every single day that I get to do this awesome stuff with the role that I have is, is making stuff that I, I won't Mm -hmm. swear, give a crap about, I'll, I'll save that moment. But that is one thing where it's like, I like beer. Let's make a beer. You know, yeah, sounds- and you tell me about I want I love I would love 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 for you to totally talk about how the Minnesota Rocker branded purple beer kind of came to be because that I think has really helped. It it just it was such an out of the box mm-hmm. type of a strategy that from nuts to bolt you completely conception all the way through execution were um, spearheading so. 
you know, I'd love for you to share how that all came together. That's like literally one of the, it's one of the coolest things. And it, it doesn't have to be, this is what's so cool about this space. Like it doesn't have to be some big national or global market thing. It just has to be relevant to who our audience and our consumers are with the Minnesota rocker, which is a regional brand. So. Yeah, no, and I, I appreciate that. I, those are very much compliments as well. So thank you again. And I, I, I do care a lot about it. You know, it's, it's funny that a lot of these things that I do partner with or get myself involved with, it is mainly from passion initially, and then it turns into something cool. So to be honest, it initially started, we were in a small town, a Minnesota bar out West. And I saw an old buddy from, from high school, uh, his name's Tanner, shout out Tanner. And his family started a brewery in Waconia, like 2011, one of the first breweries out West, especially in Waconia, which was exciting, but he's a rocker fan. And I had no idea. He didn't even know I worked at rocker at the time. He just liked watching call of duty. I obviously, you know, was a fan and currently I'm a fan of beer. And we just started talking that night and it turned into an email, which turned into CCing people on that email, which turned into approvals and league processes and even federal approval, obviously, and everything to ultimately get to what's going to be a really cool setup this week, specifically with the rocker beer, but it's called Final Circle Shandy. And the reason we called it Final Circle is our ties to Warzone, the Call of Duty mode. And the final circle is what's the very end of the game. Everyone else has been eliminated. It's you versus one other person or two other people. And we wanted to sort of have this beer be like the celebratory. I've done it. You know, I've become successful or I've won. I've conquered my foes. And that was what we put into this shandy. And the fact that it's, I believe Tanner calls it quote, crushable. I think that's okay. literally on the side of the can is that it's supposed to be able to be enjoyed and, and especially in a Minnesota summer. So yeah. we put all those things into something that to your point, we just wanted to create uh, an exciting activation. That was a cool partnership. It's Minnesota based. All their ingredients are Minnesotan. like all those things that on paper sound good, but are really easy for me to live, which I, I hopefully am the walking billboard for a lot of the things that we do. And I, I guess the reason that I brought up the Waconia beer initially was that all of these partnerships, these collaborations, these things that I hopefully get involved with that people want to work with us on or work with me on is we can make it work. And if there's a vision that's there, if there's a dream that needs to be portrayed, we could do that. And so like when you talk about banking or you talk about these categories that I mean, I was in a cigar shop the other day. I don't like cigars. Maybe we can figure something out there. I, you know, wineries, distilleries, some of these like the the imbibing areas I'd love to do mm-hmm. stuff with. If we talk yeah. banking and you know, even the financial side in general, there's there are ways that really excite me when it comes to the the industry in general, but also this I keep talking about the next generation, but our generation and the next generation of consumers that this is going to be something that's there anyways. We have to make that ease of access even more flexible for them. If there's a way to just work alongside a business, it's because the business cared at the beginning, at the inception, which is, I mean, we're a little, I guess we're probably still right there, but this is still the inception of stuff. And the more brands that are open to the inevitability of esports and gaming becoming a part of not only their like their consumers, but quite literally their work culture. I mean, I don't, I'm surprised that more businesses don't ask about setting up an esports club within their business. And I, know, I know. Well, it's starting to happen with, with mission control. 
Oh yeah, and I love work, those guys too. Yeah, they're starting to work with businesses. So the, I mean, it's almost part of like an HR Thanks. strategy, right? Where you used to do the physical, you know, the 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 physical leagues, like a, a softball team or like a flight right. football team and, <laughs> right. and go play volleyball in the summer. They're starting to do these, these rec leagues, which is exciting. But, you know, I really want to highlight on this next generation of wealth, which not a lot of people talk about. And this is a total, this is an opinion piece. This is a Rebecca Langawa, like an, an opinion piece. And there's, you can probably like comb through some 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 data to to back it up, but I didn't pull any stats before. I'm just feeling inspired to talk about it. We are coming in one of the largest generations of wealth that our country's ever seen. And the reason I believe so is boomers came out of the depression. Their parents were in the depression. So boomers were really raised to save, save, save all their money. They don't spend it, right? They have like they're sitting on all of this wealth and they're going to pass that along to their children and grandchildren. Millennials were raised with kind of an ideation that wealth was to be enjoyed and spent, that lifestyle and experiences were more important than stowing money away. So they've spent a lot of their money. Now you're getting into this new generation, this Gen Z And what's really interesting about Gen Z is they're going to be coming into a large amount of that wealth handoff from the boomers. However, they're they're very cautious because they lived through both the 2008 crash and the global pandemic. So what is being predicted for that generation, and I will attest to my 15-year-old son who has, you know, a very healthy savings account, working on his, you know, working part-time and working on building up his first Roth IRA at almost 15 years old and owns his first vehicle before he has his permit, they are really going to be focused and intentional with balance. So they're going to have money to spend, but they're not going to spend it as frivolously as millennials, but they will spend it at a rate that far exceeds how their grandparents spent it, the baby boomer generation. This is my own theory based on just all these articles that I read. So I, I mean, agree. I very much agree with it. So. I really feel like that's where the future is. So if a brand is wanting to really reach that key consumer, they need to be leaning into marketing to that digital sense birth demographic that is harder to reach. It's harder, but the payoff is going to be way greater for them to get into this space. And you're meeting the consumer where we know that they already are. You don't have to create something and, and advertise to get them there. Like you don't have to pull from all these spaces and get them to be with like, to, to be a part of what you're building. You just insert yourself authentically where it's already happening and they're already engaging in like these super high numbers, you know, and like you're at that, you're at like that top layer age wise of like Mm -hmm. who's consuming content and who's engaging in that space and what the brands are that you're seeing. And one thing that I find really interesting and I know we've we've talked about this from a targeting perspective of having some really great conversations are the service industries that are business to business industries that really want to work on building a presence in esports 
from that B2B perspective, you know, um, like insert law firm that works with pro sports teams and pro athletes that understand that there's viability within esports. Like how do, how, how do we as an organization help them get there faster or wealth managers or sports psychologists that want to expand into esports? you know, from an organizational perspective, I think there's like a ton of room for us to not only be thought leaders in that space to help them get there faster, but also be like that connector and, you know, kind of like that conduit for them within that that space. Where do you see the service industry? And I know that there's like State Farm is in the space and there's other service industries. Do you see that continuing to grow? How are you seeing that that space coming in versus like the consumer consumer products? Yeah. Well, that's kind of the low hanging fruit, right? Was always the like, like the consumer products. I know that they get a bad rap, but it's totally fine. But it's like the Doritos, the Mountain Dews, the gamer brands, like they thought that was the easy. What I appreciate more now is a lot of the creativity that goes into larger deals, specifically ones that came to mind while you were, while you were talking were Shopify rebellion. So that's a new esports org. They've partnered with Shopify, Shopify launches a rocket league team. Sick. Like that. I like rocket league. Don't know when I'd use Shopify. And this is me speaking. I actually do use Shopify. So I, I get it. But that that integration is pretty straightforward. Same with the general NRG or NRG. And they're selling their naming rights to the general for Rocket League. So I think what brands are starting to see and what we'll probably see is brands that are non-endemic increase their longevity in business and in commerce just by partnering with an esports org, esports team, a gamer, even like content creator, just because, you know, they are in there and there's an advertising area for it. I saw Tim, uh, Tim, the tap man just partnered with HyperX like that, you know, he's with Herman Miller as well. I mean, quite literally Tim, the tap man as a streamer has established himself as a business and is now helping other businesses get to young people. Oh, Tim, the tap man uses them. I'll use them. I know you, you know, with, with some of your life, Rebecca, like with Booga five below, right. I think that's who. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not my world. I mean, but, but Darren Glover who works really closely with Booga, you know, and, and I should have him on my podcast. Darren Glover is like a little genius, but you know, literally how do you create relevancy with a brand like five below in the esports ecosystem? Some of the brands that I like are on like my wish list of like, where I think obviously US Bank, I mentioned them already. I would love for US Bank to be in this space. Something, even as test and measure, something small, but air like travel to me yeah. is big. So like an Airbnb or VBRO. I know that when I travel with my family, I prefer to use those types of places where it feels more authentic to being embedded in the culture of the place than just being at a static hotel. When I travel for work, usually it's because I'm speaking somewhere. So I'm just going to be at like the guest hotel where I'm going to be around other people. But like when I'm with my family, that's what I want. And then Hopper app, Delta, Acorns, like some of these things that we know the mindset of the, the gamers is really truly being intentional about their purchasing, but then because they're so intentional and they're not as behavioral when it comes to purchasing, they're very deliberate. Then the, the way that they care for things is at a whole other 
whole other level. And, and I think, you know, a great case study is the turtle wax kind of insertion into the space. So it's not necessarily about buying a $60,000 car. I mean, you can have like Roman has a Mazda RX-7, it's a 1983 and it's, it's being restored. And so I'm literally looking right now at like this Lucas oil, something or other in a turtle wax clean and shine on my counter from him literally treating this car that he bought that is going to have collector plates. He's not be driving around every day. It's he, he cares about this thing so much that those types of brands for that audience for, you know, like for my kid, that's what they're going to be leaning in on is first of all, they're going to be deliberate and research and take the time and be patient to get the thing that they want. And it doesn't have to be an expensive thing. It just has to be the thing of quality that they aspire to have, but then they're going to take really good care of it. So like, what are those ancillary things that they can bleed into? Do you have any, like, I always have like my dream brands. Those are some of my dream brands. Like I think about those ones all the time and I'm just like, you know, yeah. <laughs> <call> me. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's like my life. I, I like to grill and smoke meats. So any, anything in that area would be cool. But to, I mean, to your point that I like to use the word deliberate because that is the biggest thing that comes of this. You know, I, I built my PC. A lot of us have built our own PCs in the gaming mm-hmm. world. I will never probably ever switch from an NVIDIA GeForce GPU. I will always have NVIDIA now until I die probably. So like because of my first PC I built, I will probably go Intel. I will probably go NVIDIA. Like Mm -hmm. to your point of being deliberate, it's because the choices that we do make, it's not even that we're frugal or, or like you said, um, coming from the millennial generation and and, uh, boomers down. It's just because we are either looking for the cheapest option that's just a buyer behavior. We'll never change that. If it's, if it's strapped for money, cheapest option, otherwise it's loyalty. And from there, like for me now and getting to a point in my career, it's only Delta, you know, like I will only fly Delta. That's just my bit. So your me point, too. I only, use I will Airbnb. only fly Delta. It, yes. I literally have tried other airlines. <laughs> I will. And, and, you know, it's a testament to them. It's a testament to yes. the Minneapolis St. Paul airport also, That's and true. the Delta presence in that airport. Maybe not everybody's experience is exactly the same. There might be airlines and other places. I will not be able to be comfortable flying any other airline, but Delta. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Well, they've done such a good job. That translates into the esports world of like, mm-hmm. if I at Delta, I'm going to get a response. Like yeah. that's the coolest part. And I know other brands have caught on to that, but I'm sure you probably remember the years, like when we were traveling five, 10 years ago, you couldn't get a hold of anyone. Like you had right. either call or yeah. you tweeted at them and tweeting at them worked. So I'm with you. Like, sorry to the other one, but like, if we get the call, we'll hear them out. It's just like Delta's the one, and, but I'm with you. Like, I think that's the point is that the deliberation that goes into these choices yeah. makes them significant, which is mm-hmm. why, you know, rounding it all out from what we first started talking about when right. I'm talking to partners, you know, if there's only a thousand people watching a stream only, a thousand mm-hmm. people is a lot to be watching a stream. Yeah. Those are a thousand people that really care about that person, that brand, that product, that individual or that org. Like that's who you're marketing to. You don't need a commercial that goes out to a broad amount of people in households with two plus people, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's very well, hyper-focused. And then, you know, when you consider the VODs, you know, video on demand for people who are listening that don't know, there might be a thousand people watching it live, but then it's going to live on in 
snippets and clips on social or in its entirety on YouTube. And that's just going to grow traction from there. And that's really, really exciting. I do want to just quickly give a shout out to the cookies at Delta. Like they really understand how to create repeatable (laughs) moments that you kind of grow to expect as you're as like part of that experience. What are those called? Biscoffs. Yes. Thank you. I feel like they're always crunched up in the side pocket of one of my bags and I'll eat them anyways. Like they're delicious. I had a really great Delta experience (laughs) once where I was in first class, but there was like, it was just a short flight and there was no food. And I was, I like literally am like the person who gets the airport 15 minutes before my flight is going to board. And I'm like running through the airport and I had no time to go through a line and I was like dying and there was no service And they like brought, like they came through with like, there was service. Like they came through with like the drink cart and the snacks, but there was no meal and I was dying. And the sweetest girl came and like brought me this plastic clear bag, which they probably put garbage in normally. And it had like Oreos (laughs) and like chips and more cookies and like peanut, like whatever, like all the things and the things she was like, "Mm, love you. (laughs) <laughs> that's why I always fly Delta because some they, out of breath lady up in first class needs <laughs> her plastic bag of goodies. But they care. Like they, they do. Care. They, do. Yep. they do. They care. And that's a really great, I mean, that brand would be, that brand needs to be there. You like, honestly, us bank, Delta hopper, Airbnb or something of the sort, an enterprise I think is already in the space. So that makes sense because there's just so much travel when it comes to hopping from one place to the other. But then the other one for me is Best Buy. Mm -hmm. Where are you, Best Buy? Come on. We love you. We want you. We're ready for you. I can't even wait for Best Buy. In our market or any market, in this or any org, in something community-based, I mean, I just honestly like build out Geek Squad for like your concept of building out your personal PC. Like can we just have like an entire gaming experience when we walk in with experts, like gaming experts? Do you hear me, Best Buy? Like, oh, there's so many Supermans. No, I the mean, latest guy. Henry. Henry Cavill? Yeah, him. Have you seen yeah. the video of him building a PC? No, but he's oh, yeah. handsome. Send he's it very, to me, I'll watch it. very handsome. Imagine our geek squad, right? A couple, <laughs> you know, handsome guys and gals yeah. go to the house. They help you build your PC out. Like, why? Well, he he's the video I watched when I built mine. So it's like a, yeah. it's very near and dear to my heart. Um, okay, Bill, but <laughs> Dylan, we've been talking for an hour. I can't stop. I mean, we could just oh, chat guys. and chat forever. You are like. You're my, you're my, you're my local John Davidson. We always get off track when I talk to John. That's a compliment. Massive compliment. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. I love talking with you about this stuff. I know we get to all the time. Actually, we don't get to as much as we want to because we're like head down busy day to day, but thank you so much. Honestly, tell me really quickly, if somebody wants to connect with you, what's the best way to reach you? Is it Twitter? Yeah, definitely Twitter at Dylan, D-I-L-L-O-N Pomeroy, P-O-M-E-R-O-Y at Dylan Pomeroy on Twitter. I tell, I say it whenever I leave anything, DMs keep the world going around. Hit me in the DMs, hit me in yeah. wherever. We'll, I'll give you a tour of the headquarters, right? I'll, I'll yeah, you if you're in Minnesota, <laughs> please don't hit me up. Hit up Dylan. Yeah, hit up me. Before. He's there a lot. And I just, I love this conversation. We could probably talk for hours and hours. You are just amazing. And I thank you for for coming and sharing your wisdom. I feel like we could have went in a million different directions and done deep dives everywhere, but I appreciate it. And I will, I'll probably see you this week. We've got home series coming up. So we'll, we'll see each other in person soon and take care. Thanks everyone for listening.
Thank you so much. Bye.